All right, so I'm going to recap very quickly what I preached on last week. I, I, I preached from a passage in Ephesians 3. And do we have that passage? So I can just read it again and we can all remember it. Okay, cool. So Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And if you remember last week, we spoke about power of the Holy Spirit to comprehend, strength to comprehend. Right? And we spoke about the, the root of the word comprehend, which is a Latin word, which means to grasp together. So as much as we, we are strengthened by the Spirit to understand how great His love for us is, there's a community aspect where together, as we share what God is doing in our lives, we see different aspects of God's love for us as a church. Okay, do you remember that? And the Latin word was comprehendere, which sounds more Spanish with my pronunciation. Okay, cool. So it's a powerful passage, and I said last week we were going to continue that, and now we're going to, I'm going to preach from a passage at the very end of this prayer that Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, and it's Ephesians 3.20, and it says this, Now to him who is able to do so much, to do much more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Okay. Incredible passage of scripture. And I want to break down what I think it means for us as a church. Okay, so let me tell you a little story. As you know, our family has been hiking a lot lately. If you follow Heiko on social media, you will know I, as a very faithful husband, have been marching up many mountains, and, <laughs> and it's awesome, but um, sometimes I'm like, I just don't want to walk up another mountain. Okay, but as a family, we have decided, and we had to ask the girls today if they were into this, Rosie and Sophia not so much anymore, we have decided to do something called the 13 Peaks Challenge. Okay, so... You're supposed to do it over in one go, like over a weekend. And what it is, is you, you ascend or summit 13 peaks on the Table Mountain mountain range. Now that starts with things like Signal Hill, Lion's Head, McClear's Beacon, Devil's Peak, Musenberg Peak, Chapman's Peak, Nurduk Peak. I mean, there's lots of peaks, okay? And peaks are hard to climb, okay? If you know, a peak is literally straight up and then straight down. Okay, and actually the down is sometimes worse than the up because it's just like, oh, it's such a mission. Anyway, but having said that and moaned, we have decided to do this and we are going to do this as a family. Okay, so I don't know why I'm telling you this because now you're going to hold us accountable to it, which is terrible, and you're going to ask me every week why we haven't climbed the mountains that we're supposed to. Okay, but we're going to do it. 
And uh, I know my limits, and uh, I've climbed some mountains which I feel are just at my limit, and some of the ones that are still ahead of me feel like they are way outside of my limits, and I'm a little bit scared about that. Has anyone done the 13 Peaks Challenge here? Mike's done it. No. <laughs> he hiked across Table Mountain. From here to Table Mountain. Maybe that's like a one-peak challenge. <laughs> I mean, well done, Mike. I mean, <laughs> a lot, long time ago. Okay, so that is what we have uh, committed to do. And uh, if you'd asked me a year ago if I would try and climb 13 peaks in a year, I would have told you there's no ways because I just wasn't there physically. But I'm feeling like I could probably do it. And in a sense, that is the Joneses family New Year's resolution. Okay. Who has made a New Year's resolution here? Debbie. Sure. I mean, there's not many here. Okay. So New Year's resolutions are not big in our congregation. Okay. So would it be fair to say that a New Year's resolution is something that we could accomplish even though it would take a little bit of effort and determination? Is that... I mean, waking up every morning is not a good New Year's resolution. Okay, because it requires very little effort. And, okay, so we'd agree that that's kind of a, a criteria for that. Okay. And did you know that Scripture never actually tells us, so there's no in Scripture that says, in the beginning of the year, you need to make a resolution that you will do such and such and such. Has anyone ever read a Scripture that says that? All right. Now, here's an interesting fact. Did you know that the concept of New Year's resolutions was started with the Babylonians? Ooh, okay, Babylonians, bad. <laughs> they also started the whole concept of New Year, of celebrating New Year. Okay, so maybe we need to relook why we celebrate New Year. No, I'm just joking. But it's a Babylonian concept that was started as thing of like a New Year's resolution. And it's cool. I think New Year's resolutions are actually good. You challenge yourself, you set some targets, you set some goals. But ultimately... Scripture doesn't tell us that we need to do this, okay? No in Scripture doesn't say you need to do this in the year and you must accomplish it and this is what you must do. But Scripture does tell us that God can do, and we've just read it, so much more that we could ever ask or imagine. Okay, so hear my logic here. If that's what Scripture says, it seems to make sense to me that the beginning of the year is a good time to start imagining and asking God for what he has in store for us as a church and as individuals. Okay, now that's not a rule. You could do that any time, and that could be something you asked him in, 2020, in 2013 that God is still working out in your life. But maybe it's a good time at the beginning of the year we've all got a bit of energy, we're a bit rested to go, God, what is it that you want to accomplish through my life in 2023? Okay. So the question I want to start with is this. At the beginning of this year, resolutions aside, okay, so maybe you've made some resolutions, whatever, Hacker made one, I'm going to swim in cold water every day for a year. That was not my resolution, that was Hacker's, but I supported it. Resolutions aside, what have you imagined and what are you asking God for? Okay, so I'm not talking about these things that we can all do, but I'm asking, what are these, these supernatural things that you're asking God to accomplish in your life? If he says that he can do so much more than we can ask or imagine. 
Because in Philippians 4, it says, By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I spoke about that now just as we were praying. There's, there was something of an atmosphere where it was like, just present your request to God. Now we present our requests. We never demand or command God to do anything. But we ask Him, and then He decides what He's going to do. And once I've asked that question, let me add this a little bit cautiously. If you're able to accomplish what you have asked God in your own strength, maybe you haven't asked enough. Because as we ask Him to do things in our lives, in and through us, through this year, by the power of His Spirit, remember who it is that you are asking. Now, what does Scripture say about God amongst the many amazing things that it says about Him? It says this, that He is the God of the impossible. And He can do more than we can ask or imagine. Now, I love this story. It's found in Luke. It's a story of Mary and the angel visiting her. Okay, and it goes like this. And see how many things you can identify in this story that are impossible. So it says this, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Let me just read that again. <laughs> and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Impossible. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Okay, we have two impossibilities right now, right? For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, that's not impossible, but not an everyday occurrence. The angel who was speaking to her about Mary, about Elizabeth, who was barren, who was about to have a child, departed from her. Now, that whole thing in that story seems very unlikely until you consider the possibility that he's the God of the impossible. And then it makes perfect sense. Well, to me, are you all with me? And as I was thinking of this, this thing of, he's the God of the impossible. And he, he says he can do so much more than we could ever ask or imagine, which makes sense because of who he is. And I, I was remembering, um, I used to work in advertising many years ago, many, many years ago. And one of our clients was Adidas. I did a lot of work with Adidas, and we did work with the All Blacks. And it was really cool to work with a nice brand with nice clients. And Adidas had this catchphrase. Who remembers it? Impossible is nothing. You remember that? Yeah. That's like seared into my brain because like every campaign at the end of it, impossible is nothing. Okay, cool. But it's an, it's an interesting phrase. Impossible is nothing. To God, impossible is nothing. And so he's the God of the impossible. He's the God who can do so much more than we can ever ask for. And yet in our passage, there's these two words that stood out to me. Ask and imagine. 
interesting words. And I, I should start with ask, because that's what the scripture does. But I'm going to start with the word imagine, because it's an interesting word. And synonyms for imagine are conceive, envisage, envision, fancy, realize, or think. Now, what's the first thing, is a thought exercise, what's the first thing you think when I say the word imagine to you? The first thing I think is John Lennon's song, right? Okay, cool. <laughs> it's like you're all trying to be like holy. You're like, where's that scripture about imagine the heaven? No. And let's be honest. Imagine John Lennon, right? I mean, it's, I mean, are we all saved? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he got it wrong because in that song, he says, imagine there's no heaven. And then I thought, well, there's this word imagine. And I don't know if you remember when you were a kid. Some of us are older than others. <laughs> but when I was a child, there was this thing we used to do. We used to go, imagine if. And then I remember we were walking along the pipe track the other Again, Heike was dragging me up another mountain. And we were walking along the pipe track. And then there's this old water treatment plant on the pipe track. Have you seen it? Like it looks like a double-story mansion. But actually, it's just a water treatment plant. There's nothing in it. And we would walk past there as kids and going, imagine if we lived there. Like it's on the mountain, you can see the whole of Camps Bay, it's incredible, it's beautiful. Imagine if I had a horse. I don't know, what did we all imagine for when we were kids? A spaceship. Fair enough. <laughs> now this whole thing of imagining, and I, you know, as I was thinking about this, I'm going, God says he can do so much more than we can ask or imagine. And then I'm going like, what does that look like? Like, what does that mean? Like, you know, I wrote things down here, and maybe you can help me. I said, imagine if all our neighbors got saved. And that still doesn't feel like enough. Because he can do so much more than we can ask or imagine. Then I go, imagine if God used you in a way you never expected in 2023. Or imagine if the church grew and more gifts were added. Or imagine if we planted out a church from Musenberg. <laughs> Keith, Keith's excited. So imagine if. And I would, I would throw it to you as a church and go, what does it look like for you? And, and yet I think, even as I wrote these things down, I think for most of us, our imagination or our thoughts of what God can do are still limited by our own limitations and our experience and our own visions and our surroundings. Because I can try and imagine the most wildest thing, but it's still limited to my understanding of what's happening around me. Like, to be honest, like what I wrote down there, it's not that wild. Like, I think most of those things could be accomplished by Josh Jen Musenberg, right? I mean, if we, if we grew a little bit more, there, there possibly would become a day where we'd plant out a church. Like, it's not beyond reason. And it's incredible. Like, imagine planting a church from here. Amazing. I still think that even, even if God says he can do so much more than we can imagine, we're still so limited by our thinking and our understanding of what he can do and how big he is. I think his bigness sometimes escapes us. 
So we, I walked up Elephant's Eye, <laughs> and I've got lots of stories about hiking, because we hiked a lot in the holidays, and it was awesome, okay, it was amazing, and yes, you see incredible things in the mountain, but we went up Elephant's Eye, and I've never done it before, and it's a great little hike, and it's very easy, and you get to the top, and you know, you sit in the cave, and do we have those slides? So I was sitting in the cave um, with my family, right there. I took that picture, amazing, eh? Yo, hectic. You can clap. Thanks, Renee. Thank you. <laughs> but, but if you look at this picture, like, it's, it's cool because you're in the back of the cave and you're taking it, but, but your view is quite limited by what you see of the cave. Like, it, it's kind of framed what you can see. And it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, you can see bits. But if I, if I went outside the cave and you see the next picture, look how different. See, the, the first one is so limited. And the second one is, okay, we're going to do this function now. <laughs> this could get tricky. Okay, all right, okay. The first one is so limited. Because I think it's limited to our understanding sometimes of what God can do. And then God actually goes, no, I'm the God of the big picture. And sometimes I think in our own smallness, we limit him to what we think he can do for us. And he's going, come out of the cave I know it's cool there, and you've walked a long way, but this is what I want you to see. And actually, do you know what? This is a little bit scary. <laughs> because th think of, if you have, let's go back to the next, the, the first slide. <laughs> okay, you're looking through this window outside, and there's limited possibilities. There's, you know, you can look out and you see within this frame certain things that, you, you know, maybe God's got things for you in the future and you're looking out into this picture and it's limited and then God says, actually, no, I want to show you the big picture and what I can do and what I can accomplish through you is so much bigger than you can ever imagine. And you're going, that's a little bit scary. God, you're too big. <laughs> and he is. I mean, that in itself is incredible. Think about it. That is one picture I took on a mountain of the Cape Flats area. I just took a picture. God created that. <laughs> every little tree, every little bush, the sun, the mountains, the landscape, everything is created by God. And he says, I can do so much more than you could ever ask or imagine. I could never imagine that in my wildest dreams. Church, imagine more. Yes, I don't want to limit God in 2023 to go, yes, God, we're so grateful we can meet on Sundays from four till six. Oh, we'll just keep doing that. And God's going, yes, do it because it's faithfulness and I love it, but there's so much more. And I don't know what it all is. He does. Imagine our own building. I mean, that blows my mind. But God. Thanks, Debbie. That's awesome. Did anyone think of that? Kim did. <laughs> huh? All week. That's amazing. And he doesn't just come to us and say that we should imagine or can imagine that we can do much, so much more than we could ever imagine, but he also implies that we can and we should ask him. 
right? Scripture, Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Or 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we already possess what we have asked of him. Now, I love David Wilkerson. He is one of my heroes of the faith. And uh, he says this, he says, Beloved, we ought to be saying God can, God can, God can, and will do all that we ask and believe him to do. Clearly, asking according to his purposes, Thorin, you're not going to ask God for a Ferrari, although out of the kindness of his heart, he might give you one one day. <laughs> but I think as much as we can imagine or think what God could do, we can also ask God for things like, God, will you bring my neighbors to salvation? How many of us have done that in the last year? Awesome. Or God, will you use me in a way that I never expected? Are we asking, are we asking God to work through our lives? Because I think it's good to ask God for things, which is awesome. Great, we should. He's our Father. He loves to give us good gifts. But I think there's two questions we actually need to ask. What am I asking God? And what is he asking of me? <laughs> the first one's easy. We could all ask God all day for stuff because we all need stuff, right? Whether it's comfort or mercy or grace or money, whatever it is, whatever we need, and we, are, we, can, we present our request to God. See, it's easier to ask someone for something than it is to be asked to do something. And then in my house, it's a lot easier to ask my kids to make a cup of tea for me than it is for my kids to ask me to make a cup of tea for them. I mean, that's just normal, right? I mean, I, I do make them stuff. I'm actually quite a kind father, right? Okay. <laughs> you see, it's easier to ask God to send someone than it is to, like Isaiah, to say, send me. And it's easier to ask God for the impossible than it is to have God asking you to do the impossible. How many of you know it's easier to ask God for, to do the impossible than for God to ask you to do the impossible? <laughs> because it's impossible. Or is it? Sometimes the possible is difficult. You see, sometimes God does ask us to do the impossible through the power of His Holy Spirit. I don't know what that sound is. You see, I, I love the scripture because it, it feels like, and put yourselves in a position of the disciples when Jesus says this in Matthew 28, 18. He says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing who? Them, all of them, 
in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, even till the end of the age. Now, imagine being one of the 120 disciples of Jesus left after he's ascended, and he says this to you. And on the surface, it feels impossible for 120 people to go and reach all the nations of the earth. Because actually, I think if you imagine being a disciple at that time, your main prayer would be, Jesus, please, I don't want to die. Because I mean, Christianity was not popular at that time. Salam, yeah. Salam. And imagine you're one of the disciples and God gives you that word. Go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Your first question would be, where do I start? The whole world, and then everyone, and then I think at the end going, what? Like, what does this all mean? Like, what are you talking about? Like, because on the surface, God says it to them. He says, do this for me. And maybe it feels like it's impossible, except when we read Matthew 28, 20, and says, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Or we think back to our passage, Ephesians 3, 20, according to his power that is at work within us. And so suddenly this impossible, this imagining and asking feels more possible when we know that what we're asking for will be accomplished not by our own strength, but by the strength of the Holy Spirit that God has put inside of us. And we spoke about that last week. We spoke about the strength to comprehend the love of Christ. And, and we spoke about Acts 1.8 where it talks about you'll receive power from above to be my witnesses throughout the earth. You see, none of this, none of this asking or imagining is possible without the power of the Holy Spirit who can implement what God wants to do in and through us. John 15 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So even a new building apart from him is not possible unless he is with us, empowering us through his Holy Spirit. You see, I, I think the things that we ask God and imagine for and hope for are not meant to be kept in the realm of imagination. It's meant to be lived out and lived in, and whatever you can imagine, God can do. Now that, that statement, uh, that sounds a bit airy-fairy, actually. There's kind of truth to it. Right? Is that okay, Mike? Whatever you can imagine. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you can ask or imagine according to his will, God is able to do through the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's better, right? Whatever you can imagine sounds like a payoff line for a product. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize for that. <laughs> you see, because the things that he asked and asked us to imagine that we can do are generally done through us and through you. And as much as God asks the impossible, he asks us to do the impossible in some sense, but through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural empowering of the Holy Spirit. See, making a resolution to climb mountains is good, but it's doable. It's within my range. I can probably do it. 
and it's within most people's ability. When you leave here today, take time to ask God what he's asking you for this year and be bold enough to ask him for more than you could ask or imagine. More than you can ask imagine for yourself and for the church. Could I ask you to be praying for this church? That God would do what he wants to do through us as a community. Uh, I like writing little one-liners. It's kind of a hobby of mine. I sometimes put them on Facebook. But um, I wrote this. It says, why settle for a New Year's resolution that is possible when we serve the God of the impossible? And it's true, right? It's like, he's so much bigger. He's so much broader. Like we saw that picture. He's so big. And yet we limit him and go like, God, can we keep meeting on a Sunday? Yo, I think he's got more in mind for us for Musenberg in the Southern Cape than that. I really do. And I think he, he almost, he asks us to go like, what are, you, what are you asking me for? And church, I want to ask you, ask big of God. Don't limit him. Like, let's get a little bit outrageous and courageous and go, God, you know what? We actually want to reach the whole of the Southern Peninsula. God, please, will you give us a building? God, can we plant out a church from this small congregation? God, won't you bring people, won't you, won't people get saved, Father God? God, we want to see 50 people saved this year. Like, that's insane. It's impossible on our own strength. But through God, it's not impossible. And we go, like, God, can you just bring one person? Like, God, we want to ask big. God, bring a hundred people here who don't know you, not because we want to grow, because we want to save people from eternal damnation. I mean, come on. The stakes are so high. Like, if the church grows, great. But if people get saved, better. I think a hundred's too tame. Like, <laughs> but okay, let's start at a hundred. <laughs> I remember Kim Miller, when he was leading, leading Edgemead, he actually the one day felt God say, you need a person a day needs to get saved in his congregation. 365 people in one congregation. I think Kim was like, you, okay, God, apart from you, it's impossible, but with you, it's possible. I don't think 365 people got saved, but I, I honest, I'm not lying. I think about 40 people got saved that year. 40 people got saved. If 40 people get saved in Musenberg, that's revival. I think, why not? I think there's got to be some kind of excitement with God. Some kind of like, God, you're so much bigger than we ever could ask or imagine. But yes, you can do it. If God can do it, then why not? Let's just, let's just be bold and a little bit brave. 